welcome to the second preseason episode of the third season of the Pittsburgh Hockey Digest podcast. I am Mitch. You can find me on Twitter at PhD underscore Mitch. Today we've got a very interesting show for you today. We're going to switch it up. We're going to go to the collegiate level and we're going to talk a little bit about Robert Morris. we got two interviews lined up for you. First one's going to be from the Robert Morris women's defender, Kirsten Welsh. She will be a senior this year. And our second one will be coming from our writer from Pittsburgh Hockey Digest and the USCHO, Gary Heeman. He will be coming on to talk about the 15 years of Robert Morris men's hockey. Of course, this will be the celebration of the 15th year of Division I hockey being played in the city of Pittsburgh. Coming from the island, of course, and Derek Scully's group of players for the last decade and a half. We're going to talk with them. We've got a really good interview with Gary coming up. You guys are going to enjoy it. You're going to hear some stuff you've never heard before. Maybe discuss a little bit about some of his best times and history of the uh, Robert Morris program. A couple other things we're going to go over from today. We're going to talk a little bit more about Mitch's challenge, the... Uh, the student section challenge that I've got involved, trying to get everybody involved in this coming season to try to bring everybody together. And we got a couple other small things I want to go over, some talk about players that are moving on, players that have had, and what we've been covering over the summer for you guys, especially uh, our new editor, Tyler McGoygan, has been putting out articles left and right to bring you guys the best content possible. Uh, but I want to lead off with something that's a little bit important to me. I want to thank everybody for the listens of the initial podcast last week. Uh, when I first came into this, I didn't know what to expect from everybody out there. And you guys have overwhelmed me. I kept looking at the numbers. I kept you know, checking in on it, see how it's doing. Because frankly, we were looking at mid-30s, 40s listens for the first couple years. And... We hit triple digits within the first two and a half days of the podcast, and it just continues to grow and grow and grow. And from the bottom of my heart, everybody out there, thank you. I do appreciate that. Um, I didn't know what to expect when we walked into this this year. You know, me coming in off the street as the the brand new solo host of this show. And once again, just thank you to everybody who took their time out to listen to our little uh, program that I was I'm trying to bring to you guys each and every week. I hope to stay up to the standards that I set in the first one. And let's see what we do in the future. Speaking of the future, next week we will be doing a live recording at UPMC 66 Lemieux Sports Complex in Cranberry as the Pittsburgh Penguins Elite Midget Major Program goes out to play the Pittsburgh Predators. They will host, of course, this will be the opening week of Puck for us. And it's something I look forward to. I was actually kind of shocked to get involved into it and thought it was a perfect, perfect opportunity to get involved and get back to action. So we will do a live recording from UPMC 66, and I'm going to be working on seeing if I can pull off a Facebook Live or not. There's no guarantees of that. It is something that is just rank by rank. UPMC probably will be able to do it, but I have to go get a couple clearances and get things figured out with that. So... If that occurs, I will let you guys know. The following week, I am going to be heading up to Johnstown. Not more specifically, actually, Ebensburg, as we have a matchup, a preseason matchup for the Johnstown Tomahawks that week. I will be on Saturday, the 1st of September. I'm going to do try to do a quick 
record there with those guys and get you some interviews from the players. Um, I don't know who I have lined up right now. I got to start getting in contact with the uh, media relations. But once I get that occurring, we will be in line with that. And we're already looking down the St. Margaret's tournament as the information continues to come in for that. I will keep you updated to the best of my abilities. And next week's show is going to be focused a little bit more on mid midget major. We're going to talk about our midget major teams, the ones in the areas and such. I do believe we have a special interview with a with Liam Cavanaugh next week. That will be, of course, Never Give Up Radio. He has a really good program. If you want to go check it out before we get sit down and talk to him about it, it's something that I uh, I majorly suggest. Uh, when it comes to mental health, of course, I've had my issues in the past with, with it and such. And, you know, half the reason why I never got around to playing was due to a little bit of, uh, you know, disbelief in myself and things like that. It's not, wasn't lack of opportunity or lack of ability. It was more disbelief in myself and self-confidence was an issue with me growing up. So having Liam Cavanaugh next week is going to be a major, major major deal for me and I hope that you guys listen to that uh, podcast because it's going to be a very very good one uh, I'm looking forward to talking to him possibly a couple players from both the Predators and the Penguins Elite so once again live hockey is back if you want to go check it out next uh, Saturday they play on Saturday evening at UPMC, UPMC 66 and then of course Sunday morning it will be a, I believe, a 9:30 start at at the Lemieux Rink, and that's the opening for us this year. So live hockey is back. We will be in the rink for that for that game on Sunday. Unfortunately, um, Saturday I won't be able to make it. I have further plans, and will not be able to be in attendance for that game. I'm gonna see if I can try to find some drag somebody out to cover that, but I kind of feel like Sunday is gonna be our opening day. So. I hope to see you out there. If you come out and check it out, um, and say hello. We can, you know, talk hockey. That's what it's what about, man. If you see me out there working with the camera or sitting around watching a game, feel free to come up and say hello. I'm not one of those people that'll, you know, shun you off and try to make, you know, not converse with you. I, I like talking with my, with my fellow hockey fans out there. I don't do this because I'm, you know, I'm getting paid a lot of money to do it. I'm not doing this because I, you know and being forced to do it. I'm doing it because I want to be out there, and I like I love the game of hockey, and it's something to bring back, and there's always room for conversation in what we're doing. So, All right, so that's our next week. The following week we'll be at the Northern Cambria, I believe that is the com uh, rink complex out there. They are going to be hosting the first game for Johnstown, and Johnstown will play at First Summit Arena the following weekend, a uh, preseason game against the USA Hockey Developmental Team. But, you know, that's one of those things. The NAHL... Starting to start, everybody's starting to get ready. You know, we got midget majors getting started up. Then we've got our, you know, USHL and NAHL teams are starting to get ready to go. And before you know it, the Penguins will be in training camp. St. Margaret's tournament will be underway. I mean, you're seeing the tweets with the players getting ready for conditioning. The players are really excited about ready to get back. And, you know, I got a little, I got a message on Saturday evening from uh, Mr. Hintenmeyer. He sent me a picture of uh, of Hayden getting ready. He's sitting in his stall at at the uh, Philadelphia Complex, and 
he couldn't seem more excited to be there. So I, I threw that up as the promo for last uh, the retweet from last week's uh, podcast. And once again, thank you to Hayden for coming on with me that day, and everybody out there for thank you for the listens. It was uh, something great and something I did not expect. So today on the uh, podcast, we have a big interview with Kirsten Welsh. She, of course, is the senior defender for the Robert Morris Colonials, and she will be starting up her season here next month. I believe there's an opening series for that for an op- I'm sorry, an opening preseason game for them on the 22nd, I believe, of September, and I'll be there for that game. But I was talking to her before the podcast interview, and uh, we were discussing a little bit, and I just realized that this is. Officially, you know, this is their fourth year. I, I've been doing this for four years now. They were the freshman class that came through. And it was, uh, it was something that just brought me back and made me think about it for a second. I think about the last four years and the trips to Buffalo, the road trips with this team. And, you know, getting to know the personalities and getting to know the playing styles of each individual player and how much it helped me grow as a both a hockey fan and a uh, hockey journalist. And it, it's starting to get, you know, I, I'm not somebody that doesn't get emotional. I get emotional. I do. I, I have my days where I'm, things hit me and it just doesn't make, it makes sense to me. And, and you know, these were the fresh, these were the first years that I came in with. And now they're, you know, going into their final season. So this is going to be a rough one for me. But, you know, if you don't get, if you've never had a chance to go down and check the women play on the island, I would. They are a fun bunch of girls to go see. They have a lot of fun in the way that they play, but they're very serious in the same mat. It's a very skilled squad. You go down the middle, you know, you go down the lineup and you look, you see, you know, players like J.C. Gebbard, who just got chosen to actually just played in a three-game series against the United States for the Canadian Women's Developmental Program. And then you have uh, three returning defenders in... Kirsten Welsh, of course, Maggie Legue, who's also a, f- a fellow senior. She will be uh, returning for her fourth season. Emily Curlett, who is a very is a going to be a sophomore and has a very, very, very solid upside. And there's a freshman that's coming in and playing. Uh, I'm sorry, a, a sophomore coming in uh, named uh, Morgan Shower. She played a couple games last season. Those are your four returning. Fr- uh, defenders for Robert Morris and it's going to be a good season on the island so I suggest going out and checking out the squad I mean the coaching staff has always been good to me Paul Colantino of of course you know the head honcho there he's definitely runs a tight ship but he's always been open and available to discuss his players or his former players or you know things going on with the squad and I hope to talk to him in the future with you know with everything going on. And then you got, of course, Chelsea Walkland and Logan Biddle, who have been more than available to me or to discuss things going on with, you know, the girls or what's going on, you know, with as a program, especially Logan, who has been a proponent for a lot of stuff with what we do. And I can't thank them enough for being as nice and open to us with what we're doing. And one of, of course, my favorite people when it comes to covering hockey, Matt Popchock. Uh, you might remember Matt Popchock from working with the MSA and NSN back in the day when it came to covering the PIHL. There are very few people that know about as much of the PIHL as Matt does, and he's always been a good uh, 
a bounce back for me when it comes to the PIHL stuff. And it's been really open and great with us whenever we're working with them on the uh, women's side. So it's, it's going to be something that's going to be a, uh, a great season coming up, I believe. I mean, of course, we spoke of earlier Liam Cavanaugh and Never Give Up Radio. He's the director of operations for the women's squad. So, I mean, you get to know these people and they're, and they just basically become almost friends, but you have to have that professional relationship, which is easy to do. So, with that being said, I'm going to bring in Kirsten Welsh now. This is, of course, the senior defender for Robert Morris Women's Hockey Club after a quick, quick break. Hello, everybody. Mitch here, and we are talking Mitch's Challenge. Of course, Mitch's Challenge is trying to find the best student section in the PIHL. I'm looking for all classifications. Anytime that I'm in the rink, I'm going to be paying attention to some, a lot of the action, but also the student sections, because I want to see the, what you guys got out there. I want to see a very rowdy section. I want to see some sections that are having a good time. I want to see you guys do everything short of getting thrown out, anything that could actually stop or harm the game. Bring your signs. Get that face paint on. Have a good time. At the end of the season, whenever I decide who wins Mitch's challenge, they might get something out of it. We're still working on the details for it, but I definitely want to see your best out there. So I don't care who it is, classification, single A, double A, triple A, D2. Bring out your best when I'm in the rink, and we will see you in the rink. All right, we are here now with uh, Robert Morris Senior Defender, Kirsten Welsh, who is at the Canadian National Developmental Team uh, program this past week and a half. Uh, Kirsten, how's everything going? <laughs> good, good, Mitch. Good, good to good to talk to you. Good to be back, you know. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she just got back to Robert Morris this week, so we're actually luckily able to get her for an interview at this point. So, how was uh, Calgary, Kirsten? Uh, it was it was really great. Yeah, it was um it was it was a long it was a great ten days. I mean really exhausting but that's what you train for all summer for the invite um but yeah no it was it was definitely experience I'm not gonna forget that's for sure all right uh now you were up there with two of your well one former one current <laughs> Robert Morris teammates uh JC Gebhardt and uh, Britt Howard how was yes. that to be able to have those two together you know with you up there for that experience yeah, it was phenomenal. I mean, just um, being able to represent um, RMU and just kind of get to spend it with those two guys, it, was, it made the experience a lot better just to kind of relate it back to our season and how we've been playing together um, for the past couple of years here. So, um, yeah, no, it was definitely nice to have like some pals there to have it as like your go-to, but it was, it was nice. It was nice to represent Robert Morris for sure. All right, now looking at that uh, the program is such. Uh, what did you do to prepare to be going up to uh, to this program? And in the end, how did the process go for you to get selected? Yeah, so um, I don't know. I got the call in May. Um, that's like the first camp, kind of. It's it's like basically just directed towards um, fitness testing, like off-ice fitness testing. Okay. So May, May after May camp, you kind of just got to go into – full gear training mode like we kind of we we're kind of expected to do that as a as a program anyways um but I don't know yeah just you just got to train like we I trained my trained 
trained all summer really hard with a couple of my uh my buddies actually one of the one of the girls who went to the u.s development team camp um maddie mills okay i was really just mostly training with her this summer because she's she also lives in pittsburgh so um no it was nice to kind of have a buddy to train with but i don't know it's like five days a week on the ace at least three uh getting your skills up to date because it's kind of hard going from not playing any games for like four months straight and then going to a camp where you're supposed to perform and have like four or five games, you know? So just getting in that game ready shape is a different story altogether, but it's, a, it's just another um, obstacle to overcome. Yeah, so we are, you know, I have your stats up right now from Robert Morris the last couple of years. You've played almost a full season for every season that you've been out there. Um, yeah. We're not going to get into that one game this past season, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. we're going to, you know, you seem to have the conditioning up pretty well. And uh, is that something that Len, like, was good to look at your resume that whenever they would take you for this type of uh, uh, camp? Yeah, um, I think I'd, I'd say so. Like, my stats really um, spoke. I mean, it, my stats were really just based on, like, how I performed with my team. Like, I can't really take too much granted for that. But, um, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am without them. Um, but, no, for the most part, they really just look. So, when you first get to camp, they you have to pass this 10. It's like a, it's a ledger running test. Is your uh, VO2 max, pretty much. Okay. And they have the whole, they have, like, all athletes run it. And it's, I think that's basically testing, like, conditioning for the most part. It's like you're you have to like get to a certain standard and then from there if you if you don't make it actually in august if you if you come to august camp and don't get it's like one of the first tests if you don't get it then they like send you home on a plane so it's like well, it's one of the requirements for sure but um but I don't know, being in like that a light um like top shape you know you're competing with like the best athletes in the country so you gotta there has to be a standard somewhere and i think that's it so um it's really just like training preparing for that um the best way you can okay now we're talking you know take talking this developmental camp coming back to your senior season at robert morris by the way we've talked back and forth about this and still can't believe yeah. that it's your you know this is a senior year and <laughs> yeah, i that's pretty crazy <laughs> i mentioned it earlier off the air that this is uh you know i i came in with your class so like my actual like covering this team is based yeah. off of your class time so you know, yeah. it's been like this is my fourth year too covering you guys. Yeah. So you're like in our class. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting <laughs> at that. You know, that last game, but we're not we're not there yet. We got a whole season to go. Okay, so based off of, you know, what went on in development camp, and how that all played out for you, what are you yeah. looking to bring from the development camp back to Robert Morris for your senior season? Um, honestly, just like there's a lot of knowledge and um. They just kind of teach you um, just, like, different, like, there's, like, obviously individual sets of skills, but I think just being, like, a good person and, like, a good teammate and um, just really working your hardest for, like, your final year. Like, some of us, this is our last year of hockey. Some of us, it's not. Um, but it's really just kind of puts into perspective, like, and I don't think I really learned this from camp. I think it's just over the years, like, uh, just you just got to, like, cherish your years here and, like, cherish the people you go to school with. Cause like always, obviously, like they they teach you a lot of camp. Like at campus, mostly, like there's there's hockey skills, and then there's there's like individual like nutrition skills. There's like strength lifting skills, but personally, I don't think that's really mine to bring into the team. I think there's pretty good program already established here. Um, but if anything, it just kind of taught me to be like, um, just more of like a, like a motivator. I think for people like like bring people up and 
just make them kind of realize like four years goes by really quick, you know, (laughs) based off of that. Now I'm looking around and I see, you know, you're coming into your senior year, your last three years, you've been paired up with Catherine Murphy. What is it going to be like be having a new uh, defensive partner this year? I mean, I mean, no details, of course. I don't need, you know, I don't, I don't need the know, talk from, from Paul, but I just. <laughs> honestly, yeah. I mean, it's going to definitely be an adjustment, um, no doubt. Uh, I mean, I, I love Murph, and she is my, she's my deep partner all my whole college career. But, I mean, I'm also very excited for who I'm going to be playing with next year. It could be a couple people. It could be one person. I mean, regardless of who it is, it's, it's going to be an adjustment. And I'm, fr- frankly, quite excited for it. <laughs> it's a new 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 blood on the team. We'll see how that works out. And hopefully we're going to kick some in the D end. <laughs> that works for me. Now, uh, actually, a little side story. I was actually talking to somebody, one of my old line mates, uh, when I played uh, ball oh, yeah. hockey. Was on uh, was on Cat's team this year, <laughs> just what? this past week in, in Ocean what? City playing ball hockey. So you know, oh yeah, one of my old uh, teammates, one of my old line mates, was uh, play. I guess she, I don't know what the position they play. She played for that team, but she was definitely uh, she was definitely in a couple of the pictures and a couple of the snaps that I got. So wow, I got, that's amazing. Know. But yeah, it's uh, one of those so things we look at. So yeah. um, now looking at senior year. And we're yeah. coming into, you know, year four at Robert Morris. Where has Kirsten Welsh come from first year to fourth year? What what differences do you see in your own game? <laughs> um, I think I'm definitely more confident and a little more um, calm. Um, I think that's like both on for hockey and just like personally in general. Uh, just kind of, you just mature. I mean, you, you get used to the, like the league you're playing in and, like your teammates around you. So obviously there's more chemistry than there was freshman year. And you, you learn a lot of things in terms of like just watching and absorbing as much as you can. And from four years from like my coaches, like Logan and specifically, like he's completely took, took us under his wing and as a defense coach, he's taught us a lot um, to say the least. And I think that's definitely bettered my game um, anywhere from being an offensive defenseman to getting like moving people in front of the net taking less penalties. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it for uh, maturing and just kind of being in the right mental space. Um, it just takes some growing up to do, you know, just years, just experience. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I thank you for coming on with me, Kirsten. I wish oh, you the you best much. in your upcoming season here, your senior year at Robert Morris. Uh, we'll see you at the rink multiple Absolutely. times. And <laughs> Absolutely. Well, but, yep. yeah, thanks, uh, thanks a lot, Mitch. I appreciate the call. And, uh, yeah, we'll be seeing you on the rink. <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Kirsten Welsh, a senior defender for the Robert Morris <laughs> Colonial Women's Hockey Club. We will be right back. And I'm doing this easily recorded on Sunday. And I actually spoke with Ed Major, and he had a little bit of breaking news, and I hope he writes it up here soon. But the Duquesne, let me just double-check that. Duquesne that has confirmed that they will be fielding a Division II team playing an independent schedule this season. Uh, and their reason is that they've seen an increase uh, in the team by of players being interested in playing, and they're feeling like they're in a position to grow their program. So I hope that comes out 
very soon as Ed Major, of course, breaking that to me today. And I'm excited to see how that, you know, that comes about. You're talking about having Duquesne, Pitts playing in, you know, their ACHA team, Robert Morris, Slippery Rock. You're looking at Chatham in Division Three now this season, and they're playing actually NCAA, no longer uh, your, your ACHA team. But uh, you got a lot of support coming to the ACHA level, and the game, I've, I've been able to attend a couple of them. They are very, very, very well-contested games. They are fun games to watch. The players have amazing personalities. It's one of those things that if you have to check out for yourself and enjoy it. Um, let me look at stuff that we have going on on the site right now. On berghockey.com, of course, is where we are located. And that is, of course, our our website for anything that you would need Pittsburgh hockey related. Uh, of course, in the last couple weeks, this is the first time I'm going to mention, you know, I'll mention the new stuff that you'll see on the website as we continue to go. Um, you find it right on the front of Jake Kucharski was invited to the USA Hockey Elite Goaltenders Camp. He was a Erie Cathedral Prep and S-Mark star this past season. Um, that was brought up by for Tyler McGuigan. Uh, of course, Allen had a good release on how uh, Derek Schooley was explaining out how different circumstances of the departures on his squad this year. Of course, they're bringing in 12 freshmen for this season. Um, Women's National Festival, uh, hockey USA Hockey's looking at their developmental squad. And then you just go down and you look and you see uh, Matt Graham, uh, of course, transferred out from Robert Morris. That was referred to in our previous one. Uh, Gabbard Welsh and Howard, Hockey's Canada camp. Uh, Montour's Aiden Beck, he was a com- he committed to, I believe, Canisius University. And he decommitted from Canisius and came to Robert Morris this season. Uh, he will be playing for the Colonials. He is, of course, a native of Montour, played in a PIHL. Uh, he was an elite forward. He played for Penguins Elite also. And then uh, NWHL playing in Pittsburgh this season. We're hosting in the city the USHL 2018 Fall Classic. That's going to be regular season games at the Lemieux Sports Complex this year. Um, of course, uh, looking at the schedules for both teams. Roman Kramer, a big detail. I hope I can get him on next week in Johnstown. He's, of course, the Sarah Catholic, Penn's Elite, Johnstown Tomahawk, and future Robert Morris Colonial. So we're talking a homegrown kid coming up through the ranks and playing local. Um, we're not sure if he's going to be playing in Youngstown. He was selected by Youngstown in the draft or Johnstown this year, but we'll see how the... Uh, how those chips fall, and, you know, that's the type of stuff that you'll see on Pittsburgh Hockey Digest, and one thing that uh, we were discussing with Alan Saunders and Tyler McGoygan, we are going to be seeing a return of the hockey's headwaters this season. Two years ago, it was our best segment, and it's a lot of work, so it was tough to be able to continue last year. We kept it in a little bit of a capacity, and we split it up amongst our writers of how these players are moving on to their next level and their next programs and such. This year we're going to be bringing it back to you and a segment actually on this podcast will be one of those two coming in and giving us our Headwaters Player of the Week. Headwaters Player of the Week is of course 
something that a lot of the guys enjoyed. Um, the qualification is that you had either had to grow up here or play here at some point of your career in the developmental leagues or you know as a midget major or hockey. You developed your game somehow in Pittsburgh. So that's one of those big details. Like We count anybody that played for Robert Morris, any Chatham players, any players that are playing that had you know played high school here and played midget major here or just born here. You qualify to become a Headwaters Player of the Week, and, and that's chosen every week by our staff. And they're going to give you a little shout-out on our podcast every week when the season gets started. Plus, we'll probably get our segment started up again, our write-up of where everybody's playing and how they did last week or how, you know, there's a little detail of what they're doing now or things like that. And, you know, it's going to be that type of stuff that we want to bring back to you. And I was beating it to a I beat that beat that dead horse more and more and more as last week went on and that was what we wanted to bring out as Berg hockey. What is Berg hockey to us? What is Berg hockey to you? What is something that you want to hear? All that details, all these guys that came through here, maybe you played with that kid back in in one of the younger midget leagues. Maybe you were bantam with him. Maybe, you know, you watched him play as a high school. You were talk you're a high school student watching him play for your high school team, that type of stuff that we want you to be connected with. And once again, that is Berg hockey to us. And I said it last week, I'll say it again. If you have a story, if there's something that you want us to talk about, don't hesitate. Shoot me a a message on Twitter. Shoot the account a message on Twitter. Tell us, you know, hey, this so-and-so is committing you know, we'd be interested in, you know, can you do a little something? That's how this happened. That's how we got our interview last week with Hayden Hintenmeyer. Was, hey, they reached out to us and they said, hey, he's playing on both sides of the state. Do you want to do this article? And me, when they reached out to me, was sitting on the beach at the time. I said, oh, yeah, I'm definitely interested in doing that. And we'll see how it plays out. And we'll set up a time. We'll talk to everybody. And definitely it worked out for us and it worked out for them. And Hayden is settled in in Philadelphia now and it's going to be an interesting season coming up here uh, for all of our teams and we want to hear from you about what you want to hear about so please don't hesitate to contact us don't hesitate to let us know hey this is going on or even even worse let us know if we made a mistake we're humans guys we're two we're a bunch of guys that love hockey and are writing about it and I was telling Ed Major earlier we'd rather get it right than get it wrong and have to retract and do all this other crap that we would have to do in this, let us know that we're not going to be offended. <laughs> it's it, This is your this is your podcast. You're listening to it. We want to make sure that you're hearing what you want to hear. Do you want to hear more e- ACHA? Do you want to hear more about Robert Morris? Do you want to hear more PIHL? Now, I don't think it's going to be an issue for to hear more PIHL this year, but it's definitely not going to be something that, you know, we're we're going to be worried to that we're going to be out of information for. Then we you know one of those things that we decided decided that we needed to go a little bit bigger on was our midget major coverage. You know we got reached out by several people. Oh, it's more than the elite. It's more than yeah. We very much aware that it's more than the elite. And when you have you don't just jump in with both feet. You have to get your feet wet and see what the water feels like. And maybe see how deep it is. And But when we get to that point where we're comfortable with it, then we'll dive in. And we're going to be doing a lot more with S-Mark. We're going to be doing a little bit more with the Vipers. We're going to be doing a little more with the Predators. 
you know, we're still going to be working with the elite. There are teams out there that we are going to be interested in covering, and we're going to work on those details. And that starts this weekend. This this weekend's going to be a massive ma- uh, midget major overload is basically what I'm going to refer to it as. We're going to look at, you know, some of the rosters, some of the, you know, the players that are playing both leagues. And that's something that I'm thoroughly looking forward to uh, discussing. And I hope you enjoy it. And, you know, maybe some of those players come on to play our our ACHA hockey or NCAA Division Three or Division One hockey up here. I mean, we'd love to have, you know, that story. And, you know, you look at somebody like Roman Kramer. You know, you don't... It, talent is out there. Talent is out there. And there's a talented kid playing in Johnstown slash Youngstown because I'm not sure where he's playing this season. But he's definitely one of those that you got to watch for, and he's going to be playing for Robert Morris Division One next season. And that's, of course, our story. You know, that's our success story for us because, you know, we're Berg Hockey. We want, that's one of our guys that's played in every, almost every league that you could possibly play in in the area within 60 miles of the, of the city. So we're talking about that, and, you know, would you be? Could you be the next player that does all that stuff? I mean, not everybody gets an opportunity to play for the local teams, but we still care where you're playing. We still want to know where you're playing, and you know, you could end up anywhere. We, you know, if there are kids playing for, you know, other Division One programs. We have a slew of women's players out there that played for the Penns Elite or local teams. We have, as I noted last season, plenty of player of. Women's players playing for both the PIHL and Midget Major in various different teams and leagues. A lot have jumped across. Like I've seen, you know, I've, I've noted a couple of the players that are playing for, you know, went from Smark or Selects over to Penzelite women or you know, Penzelite girls. And, you know, we have a couple girls that have moved up and moved on, and they're going to be playing for a couple of the uh, major major teams in Division One, So there's a lot of Berg hockey out there, and we're trying to cover it all. And like, as I'm just trying to say, we need your help out there telling us what's going on. And information like Ed Major sends me or like we had with Hintenmeyer last week, just let us know. We'll, we'll fit you in wherever we can. And to bring that along to you, I'm going to actually now welcome in our... Pittsburgh Hockey Digest, Robert Morris Men's Beat Writer, and of course, Dirt Track Extraordinaire, Gary Heeman. All right, we are joined now by Gary Heeman. He is going to be trading in the Dirt Track quarter, uh, sorry, the four tenth mile for a two hundred by eighty five sheet of ice this sum this winter coming up, covering our Robert Morris Hockey Team. Gary, how was the summer, sir? Oh, the summer went really well. Thank you, Mitch, for having me on, having me be a, a part of Pittsburgh Hockey Digest. Looking forward to the third year. Um, you know what? Summer went really well. It's, we're still in the middle of it. Uh, we still have some season left out at Lernerville, but um, you know, there's still a, a lot going on with um, the stuff we do at TDN, the Dirt Network, publications at Lernerville Speedway, and and some magazine publications are right for it. So um, it's been nonstop, but it's uh, it's always rewarding, and I, I almost want to say just like. It is rewarding for you know Pittsburgh Hockey Digest covering the Rob Morris Hockey um, program, and and the way I kind of I kind of assimilate the two together is you know they're both cut from the same stuff. I mean, yeah, you know, it's funny you talk about dirt racing, you talk about a a lot of guys that pour their hearts 
their souls, whatever spirit dollars they have into, into doing what they love, what is their passion, without very much in the way of reward. Maybe it's a, a $300 check at the end of the night for 10th, for 10th place or or whatever have you for you know 30 hours a week in the garage after working a full-time job. With Army Colonial Hockey and with NTA College Hockey in general, we're talking about the same spirit um, you know, in terms of internally about what they bring to their passions and how much they put into their passions. And they don't always get a, a lot of, a lot of great things out of it other than results on the scoreboard and, you know, fun playing hockey and, and they love to do it. Um, they put in the same 20, 30 hours a week in practice and at the gym and, and, you know, working out with each other um, during the course of the season and uh, during the week of the season. And their output is just like on dirt, you know, on Friday and Saturday nights at the games. And um, it means the world to them. You know, and I think that's kind of where I kind of I fell in love with with both um, sports. Really, they uh, they require special people that um that have a, a a burning passion for what they do, and would almost pay you to do it. Um, that, that kind of spirit, and those are those are tremendous people on both sides of the equation. Looking forward to getting back to the rink. Absolutely. Now, a little for the backstory for everybody that's out there listening. Um, I've worked with Gary for the last two years with PhD. We've worked a little. We we did spend a little bit of time beforehand when he was still. He still writes for USCO, but at the same time, you know, I, we we talked and everything beforehand. So when he came on the PhD, it was a big addition for us. And he actually kind of paid it forward this past off season, where he was with the. Uh, he's up at Lernerville. He's the PR director at Lernerville, and he introduced me to dirt track racing via their podcast this season. And I'll be honest with you, I've never been to a race before. And Gary and uh, Big, Big E, I alluded to it last week on the podcast. They introduced me to a whole new world, and they, you know, brought me on and show, you know, I showed them what I can do behind a podcast board, so I can learn to do what I'm doing now. And like I said, Gary, thank you again. It's a whole new world. It was an awesome world to get involved in, and it's good to have you back this year. But also very good to be able to work with you for the last four, what is it, four months now? About four months we've, we've been doing the podcast. Yep. So Yeah, we started, um, back in, we started back in late April, yep. Yep, so we're, you know, this is a little bit of a loop. We're going to be right back to it every, you know, almost every week with Gary on the podcast bringing us our Robert Morris men's coverage. Now, Gary, just for a little bit of backstory for our listeners that maybe didn't follow or getting used to us getting back into the, the uh, hockey scene, where did you get your start with the Robert Morris men? I mean, you have been there almost, I mean, actually almost as long as one other person, and that is head coach Derek Schooley. And some would argue that you almost, and I won't, I won't say anybody really knows as much as Derek Schooley because Derek Schooley is Robert Morris men's hockey right now. But you know almost as much as that man does, and it'd be hard to argue that there's somebody else out there. Where did you get your start with the team? Worse off, Mitch, he's, he's probably forgotten a lot more than I will ever know about the program. Um, but he's been there from the start. Um, a little bit of prehistory for you there. Um, yeah, I actually, before Robert Morris, I lived in Asheville, Hendersonville, North Carolina, and had grown up right as the um, the Asheville smoke of the former United Hockey League, the former Colonial Hockey League that turned into the UHL, was, was born in the mid to late 90s in Asheville, North Carolina. And... I saw a little opening for in the crease.com, an obscure website. I always loved writing. And I, uh, I, I took a, a chance to just saying, Hey, you want me to you know, contribute a little bit here and there? And that was great for four years. And sure enough, the, uh, like many good minor league hockey stories go, the, um, you know, the team actually ends up folding at some point, which uh, a lot of them did. And that one sure enough went into, uh, 
went into nothing. And um, after four really great seasons, though, I love the Asheville Smoke and what they did there. And they 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 tried really hard in a in a brand new hockey market there. I moved up to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 2003, about a year and a half after all that had happened. And um, it had been actually tipped to the fact that NCAA hockey was starting up uh, right near where I was living in the west side of Pittsburgh at the time. And I immediately looked at my wife, too. I said, we should go give this a chance. I'm like, I love, you know, watching the, the smoke down there. A lot of the um, a lot of the same players had come from Division One college hockey. And I said, this is really great. I remember Paul Giblin, um, I think he played with Princeton, was a, was a big, you know, kind of a second, third liner, you know, a tiny guy, actually, for um for the Asheville Smoke, and I remember getting to talk to him one time. I said, you know, you're here doing this for, for you know, a few hundred bucks in a long bus ride. You've got an Ivy League degree, um, and, and these guys are huge, and there's some professional thumpers here that, you know, they fight 80% of the time and skate 20% of the time. So what would make you want to do this? I would I would be punching in my degree for a, for a six-digit job someplace. He said, Gary, I just, I love hockey. I love to do this. I'm not going to be able to do it forever. Um, and that really struck a chord with me, you know, that he would love it that much, that he would, you know, make those sacrifices. So I said, this is something that we have to check out. I got to see NCAA hockey because if he's, in, if they're anything like that kid, you know, these are some fantastic players and some fantastic people playing the game. So we, uh, myself and my wife Sue, we just, um, we went to the, uh, we went to the rink the first year about every other home stand and had a great time. Didn't see all the games, saw most of the games that year. Didn't see them win. It was funny. We did not even see them win the first year. Either I think they went like <laughs> 0-8 and one every every night we went. But um, you know, we had, we still had a fun time. It was um, it was fun to watch the hockey in college hockey at NCAA Division One hockey is is among the best um, that I've ever seen, and that includes the minors where, you know, the the shots can be a little bit better and the passing might be just a little bit crisper, but. For skating value, I mean, those kids were really skating. I noticed that. There were no dogs on the ice anywhere. In the minors, you can find some guys that really aren't always trying their best 100% of the time. Nobody was taking a shift off, and I love that about it. Um, and I love the inter-school rivalries. I love the fact that there were only 34 games. Every shift meant everything. Um, and I think Derek Schley would probably attest to that and says, yes, they do. Every shift does need everything, Gary. <laughs> um, so... You know, it just made it that much more entertaining and thrilling to watch. Um, you know, with so much on the line every night. Um, I, I, I love the smaller season there too, um, and the, the character of the kid. I mean, these kids were uh, these kids were amazing. They, um, you know, they would do a lot in the community outside of hockey, outside of school, to help in the community. Um, they were great with fans and children. I can remember doing the the first few um, skate rounds, uh, skate with colonials nights, at the Island Sports Center back then. And they would you know, they'd pick up four-year-old kids and put them on their shoulders and skate around with them and just have a blast. Even if they lost six to nothing to the Midgey State, maybe, or something like that. Had a rotten game, you know, everything went against them, and it skate with the Colonials night. I'm looking around going, this is going to go really great, because I know how hockey players are after they lose a hockey game. <laughs> sure enough, I mean, they were smiling and interactive with all the kids out there. It was uh, it was fun to watch. And I said, this is a program we're coming to see every single night. So, um Right after about the third or fourth season, um, I talked to a few people. I said, does anybody do anything for USCHO? Because I'm looking, you know, USCHO.com is a great gateway, for those that don't know, into college hockey and into finding out about, you know, all the, the teams that play and, you know, just all the stats, um, all the rosters, all the schedules, um, you know, all the histories behind the programs. It's like an encyclopedia and an active website at the same time. Um, it's a very good source you know, out there for anybody that's looking for any information they need. 
Absolutely. And sure enough, I, I said, is anybody doing a game recast for these guys? I think Ken Baker, is, I don't think he's done it, but I think he, they've been lifting some of Ken Baker's stuff at the time because he was a sports information director. So I think they would take his stuff from the RMU Colonial Hockey website. I might be wrong about that, but I, I'm thinking that's how it happened. And occasionally they would put it on, but they didn't really have a, a committed um, you know, story to the games on USCHO, but I noticed a lot of other schools did at the time. I'm like, that kind of sucks. You know, I mean, you know, there's a lot of good things going on here, and nobody's really writing about it. You know, and at the time, they've gotten a lot better. The print media in Pittsburgh really didn't do much for the program. Um, it was strange. It was like they existed, but only if you lived within like half an hour of Neville Island. Um, and I said, wow, that that's really kind of a shame that something this this great is not getting the the proper media attention. Um, so I put my whatever channel I had, which isn't very much, but you know, I put whatever I channel I had into trying to become a, a NCAA Division One college hockey writer for USCHO.com, um, and went there for a few years. Had a great time with it. Um, I still do to this day. I love it. Um, and then USCO actually changed um, a few years ago. Um, they said, well, we're only going to do, you know, we're only going to do one particular game in each conference. And that's the only recap that they're going to have. And we're not going to have, you know, game recaps from each and every single school anymore for each and every single game. And I thought, well, that's kind of a bummer. I said, Ugh. I didn't like the way they were doing it, but at the same time, I respected their business needs and what they thought was best for their business. Um, no matter how much, you know, I thought it sucked at the time. And then I immediately said, well, you know what? I started up a, my own website called the Dirt Network that did a lot of coverage for Western Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania and Eastern Ohio dirt track racing. And I thought, well, why don't I try to, you know, maybe create something on a smaller scale? I don't have a lot of time to do And it was fortuitous, actually, because I said, I don't think I have a lot of time to do a lot with it, but at least I can cover the home games, you know. Right. And sure enough, I, I um, and actually, this is true, and Alan, Alan Saunders can tell you this. I said, hey, Alan. I'm thinking about starting to have a blog site. USCHO is cut, cutting back. It was the same day that he wrote back and said, I just started one about 24 hours ago. It went online. Do you want to be an RMU guy? I said, okay, if it works, I'll, yeah, work, I'll, rem- work, I'll work for a hot dog. I remember those days. I remember the uh, initial the day we sat down. We decided this is what we wanted to do, and this was something that was a very, you know, it was passionate for both of us. And I remember just going in as a photographer and being concerned that I wasn't going to be able to uh, – be up on the top levels like i mean you know with you and alan you know you guys have been writing for years i had never done it before and uh, look at us three years later i'm hosting the podcast and i handle almost every uh in-ring game in the season so like well, just like a great goal scorer mitch i mean you know you score one and you get a little bit of confidence in you and yeah. you start scoring five ten fifteen so, uh, twenty goals yeah you you are one of the originals actually i think you are the original you are the original you came on in the original uh the original three if there was Myself and Alan, there'd be Gary Heeman, just like the story yep. with Robert Morris. <laughs> it's Derek Schooley, and how long came Gary Heeman to cover him? So yeah, uh, that was a that was a great day. I can remember that. I can remember thinking, "Wow, the legwork's already done here. This is beautiful." Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, my, I'm gonna have to go back. That, that meant that starting my own blog, I would have had to design something without photography no, on it. That you. was going to be a challenge. We, we got <laughs> you figured out. We got you taken care of. We know how. You, we know what you bring to the table. And we appreciate every last bit of it. Now. I'm going to switch it up just a little bit here. It's going to stay along that line of questioning, but we're going to go with one thing. 15 years of Robert Morris cover, uh, sorry, Robert Morris hockey coming up this season, 15th anniversary season. 
Yeah. In those 15 years, are there any moments that stand out to you, like maybe a milestone for the program or something that you particularly enjoyed personally, or is there something you could just allude to with the program? Oh, I, uh, I'm going to take up the whole podcast here. Um, no, <laughs> I, I, I would have. I would it's have preseason. To say, um, it's preseason, Gary. We can. We're perfect. <laughs> perfectly fine with taking a little bit extra time here. Uh, the first few upsets um, that helped put them on the map. I didn't get to enjoy it personally, but um, in year three, going to Notre Dame and beating them, I think a second-ranked um, Notre Dame program on the road was amazing. Um, they just come in here. I think this was we'd be talking about um, 2007, I believe. Um, or late 2006, early 2007. I can't remember exactly when, but I can remember losing a, a bad one at home, six to two, in the in the college hockey showcase. It was called back then, at the the old Civic Arena. I can remember thinking, "Wow, that's they have to get on a bus and go there and play Sunday." It was a Friday night. They'd lost like mm-hmm. six to two, I think. They looked okay, but it just it wasn't going in for them, and you know, they kind of got skated around a little bit. And I'm thinking that's that's going to be hard to get on a bus and go get that momentum back up and and get ready and try to. And put forth a better effort Sunday. I mean, sure they're gonna they're gonna feel like they they have something more approved than they proved Friday night. And then they came out with a win, and I'm like, oh my god, that talk about you know we have we have David versus Goliath, and uh, yeah, David's doing well. David's doing well in Neville Island, so to speak. He still is in his 2018. So it started a, a, a amazing run of a lot of great upsets that were very thrilling to watch. Almost like miracle moments, not quite on the same level of, of USA versus USSR back in 1980, but the reaction from the kids on the bench when the clock hit triple zeros was almost the same uh, feeling. Um, the, the, the levitation on ice, so to speak. Um, those moments are great to watch. The ones over Miami over the years, um, you know, beating a, a lot of great you know, top-level teams, um, you know, too many to, to list right here, you know, Mass Lowell a few years ago, and, you know, we go on and on. Um, just watching those upsets have been great. Um, you know, and then you've got moments where your heart kind of fell, you know, your, your heart kind of broke for them. And, you know, that's, that meant that it was more personal to, to me. I can remember I can remember watching in year four a uh, an unexpected run towards an NCAA tournament berth. Um, a lot of people don't know this that have been just you know, catching on recently, but um, Rob Morris could have been in the, uh, the 2007 NCAA tournament in year three, actually. Um, you know, this was year three, and they had got hot towards the end a little bit, and then they'd slowed back into a, a third or fourth spot in the old CHA College Hockey America. I think they were third. They could have had by the second, I think. And so they ended up playing a really tough Bemidji State team in the first round of that tournament. And they beat him seven to five. And lo and behold, Niagara, who was just as good, but who Robert Morris always played well against. I always thought, well, if Niagara makes this, Army's got a chance here because they both love to get up and down, go back and forth. You got, you know, Christian Boucher in the net for RMU. And if he does what he can do some nights, which is to play stand up hockey and, you know, just really, really be a brick wall back there if he has to, if he gets up some eyes. And I could see him beating him. I can't wait. And lo and behold, Alabama Huntsville beats Niagara. And so we're looking at a team in the championship game that year. We're looking at two teams that didn't have a 500 record. There's going to be a losing team into this tournament. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Huntsville. We've got a big chance now. Robin Morris scores four goals in the first period. And it's like, oh, my God, we're on our way. You know, this is amazing. This is great. This is three years. You know, we're in the NCAA tournament. 
he didn't see him falling apart, and lo and behold, they gave up four straight goals in the fifth win in overtime right after we just missed a beautiful chance to win it in overtime. And I knew, I think, as heartbreaking as that was, and Derek Stubbs is going to hate me going back over this because it's probably still not a great memory for him, but hoping that he's moved past by now and in all that they've achieved since then, I'm, I'm hoping he has. Um, but for, he'll have to forgive me here, but that was maybe the moment that I, I knew I was I was in this, you know, to the end. Because um, I felt my heart broke for, and my wife did too. We were both watching the game on cable, on TV actually. We had um, acquired a special channel to watch the game. And I my, my heart broke, our hearts broke just for each one of those kids that we've gotten to know a little bit over the first year, the first four years, actually, the first graduating class. Mm-hmm. We've got to know a lot of those kids. And they were really great, and they were so disappointed. And they, they were so, you know, they were aching on the ice. That one hurt bad, and we hurt right along with them. I think it was that moment right there that I knew that we would become lifers, you know. So other than that, I mean, you know, of course, we will always remember the 2013-2014 Colonials. Um you know, and their historic run to the NCAA tournament. Um, I'll never forget uh, watching because I could not go because I had to have foot and ankle surgery, and that's the one regret I have in 15 years. I think is that I never got to go see that championship game because I had to save time off of work because I was having a, a really bad foot and ankle surgery at the time coming up. So we had to watch on on the internet actually, and lo and behold, I'll, I, I think uh, I think their, the tears came to our eyes when we. Um, we beat Canisius. I'll never forget watching that game that, that put us into the NCAA tournament. Um, I kept on thinking the whole time. I was like, as long as they keep this two-goal lead, I don't see Canisius being able to pull off two or three goals in a row. It wasn't a typical championship game, which is a, a knockdown drag out, you know, two-to-one, three-to-two low-scoring affair where somebody gets a power play goal in the third period and wins. This was going back and forth, trading chances, playing colonial hockey. You might call it fire wagon. I'm calling using the talent creatively. Um, and they were doing everything that they needed to do, and you just they had that confidence in the third period of a program that knew they weren't going to get beat, even if Canisius would get one goal closer. You know, and when that mm-hmm. clock hit triple zero, I think I think the wife and I both actually kind of yeah, we both kind of got teary eyed. I think <laughs> there was a big hug, and I can remember thinking, "Oh my God, they finally did it! This is a this is a dream come true to be able to watch this." So yeah, those are those are my those are my great moments. Yeah, we uh actually it's one of the ideas that got this whole idea started was going to uh, I believe that was the 2015 Atlantic Hockey Tournament and that that heartbreaking loss in overtime against Mercyhurst in the first in the first game in Rochester. That was the the game that got us into it and yeah, I mean unfortunately you know some memories aren't aren't the greatest and following that the, over the last couple years. You know, you know what just happened over the last couple of years, but you know, one of these times you got to get the breakthrough. And definitely looking forward to this season of Robert Morris hockey. Um, Gary, we're gonna have you back on probably in a couple of weeks. We'll probably get you live after the uh, preseason game, I believe, the the exhibition game they have coming up, and yep. we will have a we'll have a chat about the 2018-19 Robert Morris Colonial Men's Hockey Team. Gary Heeman, I thank you for coming on with us at the PhD Podcast. We look forward to everything you're going to do this season for us. And thanks for coming on, man. I'll, I'll see you. I'll see you this week sometime. But absolutely. The, but you know, we'll get you going, ladies and gentlemen. That was Gary Heeman. He's the writer for 
us for Robert Morris uh, Colonial Men's Hockey. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Heeman U-S-C-H-O. I am Brian Mitchell. We will be back. Yeah. I'm working on I'm upset. 50,000 on my head is disrespect. So offended that I had to double check. All right. Today's I'm, I'm upset, upset segment is something that is near and dear to my heart. And it's pretty simple. Pittsburgh has had a collegiate hockey team for the last 15 years. Uh, the Robert Morris Colonials, of course. And I guess the reason why I chose this this week is we decided to go a little bit collegiate. I was able to get a couple of the women that were able to come on and talk uh, for the developmental program. I'll hopefully have an interview with J.C. Gebert, who made the developmental team this season. And I'm trying to get to talk to Brittany Howard, of course, the leading scorer from the Robert Morris women in the future. But I'm going to switch it over to the men a little bit here. And we're talking 15 years of Robert Morris men's hockey. And I guess today's I'm Upset segment is going to be based on where is the respect for the Robert Morris Men's Colonials Hockey Club in Pittsburgh? And I'm not saying that it's not there. There are fans. There are some pretty solid fans that enjoy the games. But it's a little bit interesting to me that they have to move away from PPG Paints Arena this season. And that makes me upset because there's a lot of support for hockey in this city. There is. You look at your high school teams and how busy the, the, their ranks get. And you talk about the elite squads and how many players we're bringing through these systems. And then you talk about collegiate hockey. And yes, there are actually, the, the men's side is getting a very good turnout at the island. There are, that's amazing how the support for the men's side on the turn. And the women's side, you know. Women's hockey's starting to come around, but it's not quite there yet. But it's definitely better than the last four years that I've seen. And they had to move away from the PPG Paints Arena for the Penn State game. And I, it's still to be determined for the Three Rivers Classic where that's going to be occurring this year. But it, it kind of upsets me that there isn't more support for your Division I collegiate hockey program in the city of Pittsburgh. You've got a team that in the last five years has gone to Rochester. The first year, they went to the NCAA tournament after a championship. The year after that, there was a loss to Mercyhurst that sent them packing in the, fir in the first uh, semifinal in Rochester. Then in the last three years, they would make the championship game, play a couple tightly contested games, a couple, one or two that weren't as close. But you're talking about a team that has finished top two in their conference for the last five years. And I look around and I see the support for all these other programs and it's not translating to the collegiate level. So I guess what I'm upset about is where is that support? Where is that coming? Where, when is that going to be coming for the college teams? You've got a, a sa It's the same idea as high school. You've got four years and then you roll out to something bigger or, you know, you hang them up or, you, you know, different reasons go on. You had a game outdoors two years ago against Niagara that you couldn't drum up the support for. You had, basically, it was almost a free hockey game that you were able to go out to Heinz Field and watch as the men played Niagara. It was a Sunday night, of course, and it was really cold after that winter, after that um, stadium series game. But I guess I just don't get why there's so much animosity towards going out to a collegiate game. So 
it upsets me to see that, yes, there's a lot of support for these other levels, but our collegiate team, or sorry, our collegiate teams in Pittsburgh, and I'm going to drum it into your ACHA teams. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add it to some of these Division One, Division Two ACHA teams. Chatham, of course, in Division Three now. And you're, you're talking a lot of college hockey being played, and we're just not seeing the support for our squads. You see it on a niche level, but you don't see it on a regular level. And I guess that just upsets me that these teams deserve a little bit more because they're going out there and they are working hard and they're trying to make it better. And the experience is great on game day. You have the band, you have Romo running around for the games. And it's just one of those things that it's tough to see why you don't have the stands packed every game for the men's squad. I mean, they're, they're pretty full, but there are some the, some games where it's just question marks. You're talking about 7 o'clock on a Saturday night or 7 o'clock on a Friday night. There are sports fans that do things like that, and I understand that sometimes it's a little tough to get out and do things, but for $10 to get in and watch a hockey game for that experience? Come on. Can we have a better excuse for coming out and seeing the collegiate teams? Let me know, and that's why I'm upset. I think what I want to do now is I just want to wrap things up. We're up over an hour. It's, you know, preseason. I don't even know how that happened, but I'm having such a good time. Something that I wanted to to mention, I wanted to thank everybody for all the support last week, all the words of kindness, all the enthusiasm for the first podcast. I don't think you guys understood that I didn't expect the numbers to fall like they did. And it was a very, very, very big success for us to have a podcast that was successful in its first day. And, I mean, it may not seem like it a big deal to me or a big deal to you, but it, it's definitely to us as a program, as a, as a Pittsburgh Hockey Digest, to be able to bring you something and have that much of a enthusiasm and bring you all that information that you want to hear and thank you from the bottom of my heart uh next week we will do a live podcast recording at the upmc 66 lemieux sports complex when the pittsburgh penguins elite u18 squad faces off against the pittsburgh predators i will try to have on liam cavanaugh never give up radio he's going to come on and talk to us a little bit and I'm going to go over a little bit of our midget major uh, action. It's going to be seeing who went where, how the how the levels lined up this year. And I'm working on the following week getting out to Johnstown and checking out the Tomahawks. It's actually going to be in northern in Ebensburg, where they're going to have their first preseason game. So whenever I am able to pull that off, I will let you know if we're going to be doing that or not. Probably in the next podcast and. Once again, I'd like to thank Gary Heeman for coming on with me today and Kirsten Welsh. Always a great time. Please go down, see these collegiate teams down at the island. That they are it is good hockey and it is cheap. Ten bucks gets you in. Check it out. You want to see some good hockey? You can't go anywhere to see good hockey for under ten bucks. And it's definitely worth your time. Free parking. It's a great atmosphere. You got Romo, you got the band, it's the best of college hockey. The women will be at home for an exhibition game on, I believe, September 22nd. And the men, all the way on Sunday, October 6th, will be their exhibition game. It's a 4 o'clock start for the men and a 7 o'clock start for the women. 
Once again, for Gary Heeman, for Kirsten Welsh, for all of us here at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest, I am Brian Mitch Mitchell, and I would like to thank you, and I will see you in the rink.